This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. We are in the middle of letter number 27. The expression that's mentioned in the Torah, or by the rabbis, when a person passes away, the expression is, the shav, in Aramaic, the shavak chayim l'chol chay. Literally, that he left the living. Shavak, he left. Left the living. But if you translate it literally, the shavak chayim, that he left life to all the living. So the question is, what do you mean he left life? He departed. He's not late. He's not coming. He's departed. He's gone. What do you mean he left life to the living? He explained that the life of a tzaddik, what's the life of a tzaddik? The life of a tzaddik is the inner life, spiritual life. And that life is what he gives to his followers. He's trying to comfort the Hasidim on the loss of their Rebbe, their mentor, their teacher, their father, their spiritual father. So he's saying although he physically died, but his life, his life, spiritual life didn't die, and his spiritual life is what he leaves the students. His body left, but his soul, his life, his faith, his love for Hashem, his awe of Hashem, that he leaves with the student. And now, based on this introduction, he continues, now we understand what the Zohar says, on top of page 170. This, then, is the meaning of the statement in the sacred Zohar, that when a tzaddik departs, he is to be found in all the worlds more than during his lifetime. Surely this should only apply to the highest worlds. How can this be true of, of this world? How is he to be found here to a greater extent than while he was alive? So it's very, very hard to understand what the Zohar means, that a tzaddik passes away, he's found in all the worlds. So it's not only that his soul is now in the upper worlds, He's saying in all the worlds, meaning including this world, which is very puzzling, very strange. How could you say that the tzaddik is more present, in a way more active when he passed away? His influence is more profound after he passes away in this world than it is when he's alive. It's very interesting that we're learning this when we're reading this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah portion, the name of the Torah portion is Vayichi. It's the last Torah portion in the book of Genesis, Vayichi Yaakov. Yet what's the whole theme of the Torah portion? The passing away of Yaakov. And yet it's called the life of Yaakov. Because the, the rabbis point out, when it, it doesn't, the Torah doesn't use the word, he died. By Avram it says he died. By Yitzchak it says he died. By Yaakov it doesn't say he died. It says Vayigva. They lay down. It doesn't say he died. So the rabbis say, because Yaakov did not die. He didn't die. 
We don't say it about Avraham. We don't say it about Yitzchak. We only say it about Yaakov. So Talmud says, what do you mean he didn't die? He was embalmed. Torah says he was embalmed. Of course he died. There was a funeral and they buried him. What do you mean he didn't die? And he can't say it means that the soul continues to live. That's not true of Yaakov. That's true of everyone. The soul doesn't die. Energy doesn't die. You know, and he's, as a scientist will tell you, energy doesn't, you can't, the person, the personality, the character, when I look at you, I'm looking at your body, I'm not looking at your body, I'm looking at you. The body is just a shell, the body is just a, it's you. You are not your body, you are your personality, your character, the person, the soul. That energy doesn't die, it doesn't burn, it doesn't get shot, it doesn't, it's the body, but not the soul. So that's true of anyone. Any energy doesn't die. So what's the Torah mean when the Torah says specifically about Yaakov that he did not die? So the Talmud says, because just like his children are alive, since his children are alive, so too he's alive. Which on the simple level means the difference between Yaakov and Avram and Yitzchak because Avraham, not all of his children were righteous. He was 50% successful. He was 50-50. He had Isaac, but he also had Yishmael. Yitzchak also was 50-50. He had the two twins. So he had Yaakov. Then he had Esau, who was wicked. Yaakov, however, all of his children were righteous. They comprised the 12 tribes. So when the children are righteous... A wicked person, evil person, even when he's alive, he's dead. A righteous person, even when he's dead, he's alive. So since all of his children are righteous, so therefore he continues to live through his children. That's why the Jewish people are called Israelites. We're not called Abrahamites, we're not called Isaacites. We're called Israelites. Because we are the children of Israel, all of his children, the first Jewish family was a whole, the whole Jewish family was intact. So that's the uh, simple explanation why, you know, it, it, it's interesting that the, uh, in Hebrew you have three names for cemetery. Anyone know what are the, what are the Hebrew names for a cemetery? What? Beit Almin, Beit Kvarot, and Beit Achayim. Beit Achayim, Beit Achayim. And it's not a euphemism. What does this, why the three names? Because they represent three different approaches, how you look at death. If a person's life is all about his body, having fun and his pleasure, then life comes to an end. No more Chinese restaurants. It's all over. (laughs) It's end, it's finished, it's final. The body is buried, it's over. Life is over, dead. Beit A burial, a house of burial. Beit Almin. Almin means eternity, and the eternal, because if you believe in the soul, and you believe that the soul goes on to its eternal reward, its eternal rest. So that's expressed in the, in the name Beit Almin. It's eternity, the soul, it's a transition. When a person passes away, the soul transitions to its eternal to heaven. 
to its eternal rest, to its eternal bliss. But then there's the third name, Beta Chayim. It's not just a euphemism. Beta Chayim means that the person, the, the person who died, continues to be an influence in this world, continues to have an impact in this world, amongst the living. It's not that he died and he's over. David, Melech, Israel, Chayva, Kayam. King David is, is more alive to us than some of our neighbors we've been living next to 10, 20, 30 years. Their influence is still with us. We talk of Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe, our teacher. Moshe is alive for us. Yaakov Avinu, our father. So in that sense, their life, it's not just their life in the upper world, in the spiritual world, in the spiritual sense. They're alive in the physical world. They're still influencing and impacting the physical world. So he says, so that's what the Zohar says, that the tzaddik is found in all the worlds, more so than, than while, he was during a li- while he was alive, including this world. Because it's interesting, the Zohar refers to the passing away as his talkut. When the, when the soul passes away, a tzaddik passes away, they called it his talkut. Stalkut doesn't, it's not just the, it's not the disappearance of life, the end of life. But it, it literally means an elevation. Because when the person passes away, when the tzaddik passes away, it's really like a, a surge of energy. There's a powerful surge of energy. What happens when there's a surge of energy? You get a blackout. It's too powerful. So it, 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 free, it blacks everything out. The computer can't handle it or whatever. Everything just goes down. But what, it's really a surge, of, a powerful surge of energy. And the soul departs the body because the soul is elevated. Because there's a tremendous, intense revelation that happens when a person passes away. And we see that in the life of a tzaddik. Rabbi Shimon Bayechoi, the author of the Zohar, the last day of his life was the most intense revelation. Huge portions of the Zohar was revealed on the last day of his life. The deepest secrets of the Zohar were revealed on the last day of his life. There was a tremendous like surge of energy. He reached his peak like he climbed Mount Everest and he reached his Mount Everest, he reached the peak. The day that a person, the tzaddik passes away, and that's why he said that the day that he passes away should be Lagba Omer, should be a day of Hilula, celebration. It shouldn't be a sad day. Because what's really going on, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a void, uh, something negative on the contrary. From the re- when, when you get to the Zohar, when you understand the inner dynamic, the soul, what's really going on on a deeper level, you understand that it's not a, a void that's on the contrary. The void is because of a surge. There's such a powerful surge of energy that it results in a void, yes, that the person passes away. But what's really going on, the inner dynamic is, on the contrary, there's a tremendous, powerful energy. That's why he says that the life, the tzaddik is more alive after he passes away than before he passes away. Because it's like a surge of energy. He's elevated to a whole new depth, a whole new dimension of life. 
It's not he's going backwards. He failed. It's over. He's dead. It's finished. No. The tzaddik is going forward. A surge of energy is talkut. An elevation. He's elevated. He's more alive. He's more vibrant. He's more vital than ever before. It's a whole different perspective. We don't see that. So we're left. We're left with the groan and the crying and the mourning and the sadness because we feel the void. The person died, so we, we, we mourn that void. We can't see them physically because we're physical beings and that's what we see and that's what we respond to. But what's really going on, the inner dynamic, the truth is nothing could be further than the truth. It's the exact opposite. The day that a person passes away, when the tzaddik passes away, it's a very powerful day. Powerful energy, powerful life. And that's why King Solomon says, how do Jews respond to tragedy, to death? We don't hunker down and stop living. We live even deeper. Our response to, to death is, we have to intensify our life. We have to rededicate our life. We have to go deeper. We have to... Because we have to hang on to the coattails of the tzaddik. The tzaddik is not going backwards. He didn't have a flat tire. It's not like he's dead and it's, he was defeated. And On the contrary, the tzaddik is now growing in leaps and bounds. So we're trying to hang on to that energy. So we have to hang on for dear life. So we have to intensify our life. We have to deepen our life. We have to... So this is a whole different approach. A whole different understanding. You know, to the rest of the world, death is... Very literally, death is... It's, it's all over. And there's, a, an, an, there's a, an interruption. A stop. Full stop. It's over. The ego comes to an end. No more ego, power, fame, money, indulgence. It's finished. Nigmar, finished. Over. Abruptly. One split second, it's all gone. You're in the middle of your life, you're in the middle, and all of a sudden, it all comes to a dead end. That's from a very material point of view. But the Jewish point of view, the Torah point of view, what's really going on, the inner dynamic is holiness is getting stronger and stronger. Holiness is intensifying, is going deeper. Now it's on a new level, on a different level. It was just elevated to a whole different level. A surge of life, a depth of life, a new depth, a new life, a new energy. It's a new energy. Now it's completely counterintuitive. That's why the Alter Rebbe had to write a letter and he had to write an explanation to this letter. It's the only letter where we have an explanation, a follow-up, because with all the explanations in the world, for us human beings, it's very difficult. Death is a tragedy. It's a void. It's a 
It's the ultimate tragedy, especially someone you love, especially your Rebbe, your teacher, your mentor, your spiritual father. All the explanations in the world can soothe the emotional pain that you feel because of your love, and now you can't see your beloved Rebbe anymore, and you don't feel his physical presence, you feel the anguish and the pain. So with all the explanations in the world, no matter how much it resonates and how much it makes sense to us, but at the end of the day, and that's why we say when we bless the new moon, so we say at the end, Hashem should renew the new moon. I'll call Yisrael l'chayim or l'sholem. It should be a, a month of life and peace. L'sasa and l'simcha, a month of joy and rejoicing. And then we say l'shua, a month of help. V'nechama, a month of consolation. And then we add v'nomar amen. Let's say amen. All the other blessings, you don't have to add anything. You say amen right away. But when you say consolation, consolation for death, after all the explanations in the world, you have to, you have to prompt, please say amen. <laughs> because emotionally it's hard, hard to say amen because you, you feel the loss. So the Alter Rebbe wrote a letter and then he wrote an explanation, a follow-up. But this is the emes. This is the emes. And we have to know this emes. And that's the secret of Jewish survival. We've been around 3,800 years. And, you know, we don't look at... We have a whole different perspective. Not only on life. We have a whole different perspective on death. It's not like Jewish history stopped. The Jewish history was, is retarded in its growth or it's a setback. I mean, death is the ultimate setback. It's over. It's a dead end. You know, the, the king died in battle. The Rebbe, the leader, died in battle. It could be very demoralizing. The Rebbe, the leader, were still in the middle of fighting and he died in battle. And the troops are left alone, bereft. So what the Rebbe is explaining, he says, it's not so. The king did not die in battle. It's not dead. He's not dead. He didn't die. He's not dead. On the contrary, he went, he's elevated to a whole, a surge of energy, to a whole new, different level of life. And we have to tap into that energy. Not only he went to a different dimension, but it's a new surge of energy which inspires us and influences us here and now. Us physical human beings living, continuing that life and being inspired by that surge of energy to intensify and deepen our life, our spiritual life our faith in Hashem and our love of Hashem and our awe of Hashem and our Yiddishkeit. So he's more alive than he was before. His influence is much more powerful, much more effective, much deeper, much more profound, and it's more real than it was even while he was alive. 
as difficult as it, as it is for us to understand that, but that's the truth. So first we have to understand and acknowledge what the reality is. You know, in science, a lot of science we don't understand, but we just know the facts. We don't understand electricity, but we just know it's a fact, you know. You understand, you don't understand. You put your hand in the socket, you're going to get electrocuted. <laughs> nothing, nothing to do with understanding and not understanding. Facts are facts. So first you've got to acknowledge the facts. These are the facts. You understand, you don't understand. This is the reality. That in truth, holiness, Yiddishkeit, is more alive than ever. With every passing... And when the tzaddik passes away, it's not that it was a, a kishalon, it was a setback. It's a, no. We're growing from strength to strength. It's only growing deeper and deeper. And where do we see this most? We see this most in the Torah of the tzaddik. When the fifth laboratory Rebbe passed away, right before he passed away, he said, he said, Ich gehe in Himmel. Anyone speaks Yiddish here? Ich gehe in Himmel, I'm going to heaven. But the writings I'm leaving to you. All the Hasidic discourses, everything that he wrote, I'm leaving to you. In other words, I'm going to heaven. But how do you connect with me? My elevation in heaven, you can connect with my elevation through my teachings and my writings, the Hasidic teachings. Because it's interesting, we find of all the Jewish institutions, everything has ups and downs. We had a temple, and then the temple was destroyed. We had sacrifices, which is a major pillar ethics of our fathers, the whole world is based on three pillars, Torah, Havodah, Gemilas Hasad, Havodah, sacrifice, kindness, tzedakah, I mean, uh, mitzvot. Out of the 613 mitzvot, the majority of mitzvot are not relevant to it, because most of those mitzvot deal with the, with the sacrifices, with the temple. We don't have a temple today. So there was a setback. We had a temple, now we no longer have a temple. Till Mashiach. We had prophecy, and then the era of prophecy came to an end. It was a setback. We had mitzvot, and then temporarily those mitzvot were taken away from us, till Mashiach. But the pillar of Torah, there's no death. There's no dying, there's no diminishing. There was never a point in Jewish history that Torah diminished. On the contrary. With the passing of time, Torah only intensifies and grows. The Babylonian Talmud is called Babylonian Talmud. Babylon is exile. Where did the Torah flourish? The oral Torah? In Babylon, in exile. The temple is destroyed. The Jews were exiled into Babylonia. And we had the greatest explosion of the oral Torah the world has ever seen. We had the Spanish expulsion, the Inquisition, and then we had the Arizal, the greatest Kabbalist that ever lived, the 16th century, the greatest explosion of Kabbalah the world has ever seen. We had Shabtai Tzvi and Chalmanitsky, and then we had the Baal Shem Tov, the greatest revelation, the greatest explosion of Hasidism, the crown jewels of the Torah the world has ever seen. 
We had the tragedies of the last generation, unspeakable tragedies, the worst tragedies in world history and Jewish history. And today, Yiddishkeit is flourishing in every corner of the world. 5,000 Chabad houses, homegrown communities, literally in every corner of the world. Yiddishkeit today is available, accessible, translated to every language in the world, like never before. And the internet, you have, everything is available. So in Torah, there's never been any death. There's never been any diminishing. And that's why we find that Yaakov, Yaakov represents Torah. Abraham represents kindness, Gemilat Chesed, Mitzvot. So Abraham had an Isaac, we also had a Yishmael. There's a destruction, there's a setback, there's 50% successful, 50% not successful. Most of mitzvot are not applicable today. Isaac represents sacrifice, service, in the temple. We don't have a temple today. But what Yaakov represents, Torah, there's no death. Yaakov lo met. There's no death. There's no diminishing. There's no setbacks. You know, a Jew doesn't study Torah in order to get to heaven. When a Jew studies Torah, you are in heaven. Because Torah is divine. Torah is infinite. Torah is Hashem. So there's no death. There's no corruption. There's no... It's, it's. And Moshe. Moshe also says, the Talmud says, Moshe did not die. Moshe Rabbeinu. That's what the Torah says. He was 120 years old. And he was just as fresh and vibrant on the last day of his life as he was when he was 80 and he took the Jews out of Egypt. When he was at the height of his, the peak of his, and 120, he didn't, there was no diminishing. There's no, there's no diminishing, there's no illness, there's no corruption, there's no, just as vibrant as ever. So we see that clearly Specifically by, by Yaakov Avinu and, and, and by Moshe. That, the, that even in this world, when you connect it, when you have that connection through Torah, as the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe said, I'm going to heaven, but I'm leaving my Torah behind. When you study my Torah and you're connected my Torah, then you have me. You have me as I am in heaven. I'm not going anywhere. I didn't go anywhere. I'm still here. I'm with you. And you have me not the way you had me in this world. You have me the way I am in heaven now, which is a whole different dimension, a whole different level of life, of living. And yet you can access it here in this world, in the here and now, by studying my teachings and studying my Torah. Because I've, I, that's where you find me. And this surge of life and this surge of energy you find it in the Torah. Rabbi Shimon Bayachoy, the Zohar. He says you should celebrate. And he revealed the last day of his life. He revealed the deepest secrets of the Zohar. So, so through the Torah, you, have, you can access that life. You tap into that eternal energy. You realize that there is no death. The Jewish people are going from strength to strength. Holiness is going from strength the strength. Godliness, Yiddishkeit, is intensifying, is growing deeper. 
more powerful with each passing day. And with the passing of each tzaddik, it's not like a failure, another failure, another failure. The Torah opens our eyes, especially the secrets of the Torah, the inner Torah, and helps us remove the veil and helps us understand what's really, what's really going on. You know, we don't look at this six million Jews, we don't look at them as victims. That's a very coarse and crass and superficial way of looking at them. But if you look at it from the real perspective, from a Torah perspective, what's really going on, they are Kedoshim, they are the holiest Jews that ever lived. Rabbi Kiva said, all my life I wished I can die for Al-Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God's name. They died just because they were Jewish. That's Kiddush Hashem. It's the highest, holiest level, the highest level. There were six million of the holiest Jews that ever lived. We don't look at them as a bunch of Nebuch, six million Nebuchs who passed away, who brutally murdered and killed and cruel, unimaginably cruel way possible. But the emiss is that they were the six million holiest Jews that ever As one of the survivors said, his whole family was killed and he wasn't. He says, you know, I, he said, he, only he can make such a statement. He says, I did not have that schus. I, I did not. I wasn't as good as them. They had the schus. And uh, no one should ever have such a schus. And nothing like that should ever happen to anyone. But there's a whole different perspective. When you're looking at reality from a Torah point of view, there's a whole different perspective. There's a whole different reality going on. There's a whole different understanding, glimpse into reality from the inside out. We're looking at everything, at life. We are like from the outside looking in. The Torah gives us the inside story from the inside looking out, what's really going on, from God's point of view. It's a whole different reality. The exact counterintuitive, the exact opposite of the way it appears to be. It appears to be it's a setback, it's dead, it's over. Beta kvarot. Comes the Torah and says, no, it's a beta chayim. It's bubbling with life, it's bursting with life, it's alive, it's dynamic, it's vibrant. You notice how the anti-Semites, the first thing they do, they desecrate the Jewish cemeteries. Because they know the truth. It's not a beta klarot. They're not dead. That's the source of our life. They are our connection. They know how alive and how vital and how essential. It's not a cemetery. By them it's a cemetery. But by us, they know the truth. It's bursting with life. We learn the Talmud, we learn these rabbis, they're alive to us. Maimonides, Nachmanides, they're alive. Not just reading a dead book written by someone who lived a thousand thousand years ago. They're alive. Having a conversation, he's teaching us, they're alive. And with every passing day, they're more and more alive. They're not standing still. Their journey continues. And they, every day they advance. Can you imagine for thousands of years these holy souls have been advancing day in, day out? 
They're more alive than ever. It's so powerful today. Holiness is so powerful today. Godliness. Judaism is so powerful. All we have to do is just just tap into it. Just, just touch it. And we'll be uh, rejuvenated. Pun intended. So this is the eye-opener. This is what the Alter Rebbe is trying to express to us. Trying to console himself and to console the Hasidim. To understand what's really going on. So as, mo- as emotionally painful as it was to lose their Rebbe, but he's impressing upon them that they haven't lost their Rebbe. The Rebbe is here. The Rebbe is alive. The Rebbe is active, more active than ever. His influence is more active than ever. And we see that. I mean, I think uh, the amount of Chabad houses that doubled, doubled or tripled since the Rebbe passed away 22 years ago, Chabad just exploded. It's only, it's only with every passing year, it just... It just it's deeper and more intense and more alive and more vibrant. That is, even in this world of action and the mundane world of which is written, this day to do them. As the Gemara states, today is the time to do them. Tomorrow is the time to receive their reward. Man's primary task in this world is the actual fulfillment of the commandments. While the receipt of rewards or anything akin to rewards belongs to tomorrow, to the world to come. In any event, even in this world of action, the departed Sadiq is found more than during his lifetime because the action of his disciples continues to produce successive generations of offshoots from the light and planet of the righteous and the field which God has blessed, i.e. the Garden of Eden. As will soon be explained, this refers to the illumination that is drawn down in the Sifra of Malkut in the world of Atzilut, which is known as the field which God has blessed. The Torah and the mitzvot of the Sadiq draw down into the Sephra of the Malchut an additional flow of divine energy from the six higher Sephirot collection known as Atzilut. This current arouses within his disciples thoughts of repentance and good deeds, which the Alter Rebbe calls successive generations of offshoots, harvests of the second generation. So just like when you plant something, it's, you know, we call it uh, even uh, renewable, renewable energy. You can, it's an infinite, it's inexhaustible. When you plant, and you can always go back and always replant and regenerate. That's the power of the earth that Hashem placed in the earth, that it has this infinite capacity to regenerate. And so the good deeds that the tzaddik does in his lifetime they're like seeds that he plants. And these seeds give off offshoots, and, and the offshoots give off, give off offshoots. You know, the fruits that grow, or later you can take those seeds and replant it and replant it forever and ever and ever. So the effects of the tzaddik continues. And from one little seed, it could lead to so many you know, this seed can grow into a tree which has who knows how many seeds, and then you take those seeds and you plant it, and you take those seeds, and then it just grows, grows exponentially. I mean, even physically, just in a few generations, um, 
a person could have millions of descendants. <laughs> I think in ten generations. You know, if you just, it just it just grows exponentially. You know, the, the numbers are just uh, astronomical. And one little, and then it just expands and expands and and um, so too spiritually. The effects, you affect one person and that person affects another person and that person affects another person and one mitzvah affects one person and one Jew does a mitzvah and then the other Jew is inspired by that to do one mitzvah and then you ignite the spark in one Jew and then he inspires someone else. And so the effects, the ripple effects, continues to grow and continues to, it's the gift that continues to give forever and ever, never stops. And here we are, 3,800 years later. Yaakov's children. His children are alive and he's still alive. Whatever he did is still living with us. The little Yaakov's running around, the little Sarah's running around, the little Leah's and Rachel's and lighting the same Shabbat candles and believing in the same Hashem, same God. So this is something that you unleash, something that never ends. It's, it's, it just grows and grows and grows and grows exponentially and continues to grow. So this inspiration, this inspiration continues. The, the effect and the impact that the tzaddik has, his life continues to make a difference. Not just in the spiritual realms, but even here, in the physical realms, amongst the living. The effects and the results of those good deeds continues continues and continues to grow and deepen, even after the tzaddik passes away. Just like from that original seed, it has effects just like children, and they continue to have children, they continue to have children, and it just continues on and on, forever and ever. Potentially it can go on forever and ever, and it grows exponentially. It can explode exponentially. What was the story with the... Uh, the, the king wanted to reward someone. He, he, did him, he saved his life, so he asked him, what's his reward? He says, you know, just something very simple. The first day, for 30 days, one day, give me one dollar. And every day, just double what you gave me the previous day. <laughs> By the time he reached day 30, there wasn't enough money in the world to pay. <laughs> or, you know, it's, it's, that's exponential growth. <laughs> Uh, Einstein called uh, compounding the eighth mystery of the world. That's the Warren Buffett uh, way of investing. Very smart. Long term. It's not overnight, but he buys and he holds and just grows and grows and, and, and then he becomes the third richest person in the world. That's the power of compounding. So that's what he's saying here. What the tzaddik does continues to compound and compound, and, it, and it's just explosive. Well, the Rebbe wrote his Tanya to, to, to over 200 years ago, and look, today you have 7,000 Tanyas published all over the world, and you have Tanya all over the world, and it's, it's, it's just explosive. It's, you know, he sat in the room and he wrote a Tanya, a book, in Eastern Europe uh, over 200 years ago, and it's not... It's with the passing of time, it's just growing and growing and becoming more powerful and more relevant and more current and more 
So this is the idea of compounding. This is the idea, that's what he's trying to explain. Planting a seed and just continues to grow and compound. So the tzaddik's influence continues in this world, not only in the heavens, but his influence continues amongst the living, amongst us. It's like ready to the earth and to the outside places, i.e. to the Holy Land and outside the Holy Land. And also to us, those who are here this day, all of us who live in his way. So it all starts with the Holy Land, because that's the parallel to the divine earth, that's the parallel to Malchut, of the world of emanation. That's the holy land. That's the ultimate land. And from there, the blessings spread, the light, the energy spreads throughout the whole world. You know, just like when we pray, wherever we are, we face Jerusalem. And that's the proverbial Jacob's ladder, Jacob's dream. He slept in the Beit HaMikdash, in the temple, and he had the dream of the, the ladder touching the earth and reaching the heaven and the angels going up and down. Olim, first going up and then coming down. The prayers go up. All the prayers go up through Jerusalem, through the temple. And then all the blessings come down. The response. The prayers evoke a response. We pray for whatever we need, and Hashem responds. And hopefully He gives us what we need. So the prayers, the angels are the messengers. The angels are elevating our prayers up, and the angels are also the messengers to bring down the response, the divine response, the blessings and the changes that we need. But it all goes through Jerusalem. It all goes through, through the Temple Mount. The Talmud says if the Goyim knew the power of the Temple, when the Vuchadnezzar wanted to destroy the temple, they would surround, the 70 nations would surround the temple and not allow him to destroy the temple. Because the blessings that the temple brings, not just for the Jewish people. When the Jewish people are blessed, the whole world is blessed. They would not allow the enemies of Israel to destroy the temple. They only knew the power of the temple. That's the source of blessing. That's the source of prayer. It's the source of blessing. It's a two-way street. So he says the first thing is the first place is it radiates in the Holy Land and from the Holy Land it reaches outside the Holy Land it all originates that's the heart of the world, that's the center of the universe that's where it's all at where, where it's at and from there it, it spreads to outside the Holy Land especially since the Rebbe lived in the Holy Land this Rebbe that passed away, the Alter Rebbe's Rebbe that passed away uh, lived in the Holy Land. So he said it's first it radiates in the Holy Land and from there it spreads to outside the Holy Land. And also us, those who are here today, whoever lives in his ways, to be, in, to be connected to this energy, you have to be spiritually connected. If you're following in his footsteps and you're inspired by his teachings. And as he said earlier, you also have to have a love. You have to have a personal relationship. You have a personal relationship with the Rebbe. Because the spiritual condu- uh, conduit for everything is love. You know, love. There's no ego. Love. So the more the Chassid loves his Rebbe, and he's following in his Rebbe's uh, uh, footsteps, then he's able to receive this energy. 
is able to be inspired by this energy. But the truth is, it's not only those who knew the Rebbe, even those who didn't know the Rebbe personally. As he's going to say later on, you can still connect by learning his Torah, learning his teachings, and connecting to him on a deep way, in a spiritual way. You didn't know him personally. You may not even... You never met him, or you never, you weren't even alive, maybe. But by learning his teachings and by connecting with his, uh, his teachings, you make a soul connection, a spiritual connection. So by hooking up and connecting, you can receive that energy, that life force. In a holy way, shall it be called the above regarding the increased presence of the departed Sadiq relates to the service of God, to heavenly, that is, spiritual matters. In these areas, his disciples can now receive even more guidance and benefit from him than they did during his lifetime. As for mundane matters, that is, the flow of material blessings which tzaddikim draw down to this world, it is stated explicitly in the sacred Zohar that the tzaddikim shield the world, and after their death, even more than during their life. Moreover, were it not for the prayer of the tzaddikim in the other world, this world would not endure a single moment. And whoever is closer the habitation of God, or being close to the tzaddik during his lifetime, has precedence to the blessing that comes from and through the tzaddik. So the Zohar is saying something very, very novel and very powerful, you know, also counterintuitive, because you would think once the tzaddik is no longer part of the living, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't relate to the material world anymore. He doesn't so he doesn't care about material things. So you would think that, you know, his influence and his ability to shield and to protect the living, you know, once he's gone, then his, his, his protection is also gone. You know, when the tzaddik is in our midst and he's physical and he relates to the physical world, he's living in the physical world, so his holiness protects us. His presence protects us. But once the tzaddik moves on to the upper worlds, you would think that he no longer relates to the physical. They tell a story, Rabbi, a colleague of the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, Rabbi Lamelech of Lezhensk, before he passed away, he said, you know, when I go to heaven, I'm going to storm heaven. I'm not going to let them, you know, I'm going to make sure that they bring Mashiach because the Jewish people are suffering so terribly in Eastern Europe. And he passed away, and the pogroms continued, <laughs> and the tsaras continued, and his, uh, his disciple had a vision of him, like in his dream. He saw his Rebbe, he says, Rebbe, I don't understand. What happened? He said that you're going to come to heaven, and you're going to turn the whole place upside down, and you're going to protest, and you're not going to allow things to continue as is, and things are just getting worse. So he responds, he says, what should I do? What should I tell you? In heaven, we see things differently. <laughs> In a whole different perspective. I don't see what I saw here. We, here we see the bigger picture. We see, we see a whole different situation. It's a whole different story. I can't relate. I can't connect. I can't relate to what you're seeing. I, I don't see that anymore. So when the tzaddik is not physically present, you would think that his protection 
his protection is not effective because he, now he's now he's spiritual, a pure spirit. So he can't shield us and protect us, you know, our physical mundane uh, concerns. So the Zohar says, no, it's not so. The tzaddik, the tzaddik shields this world, protects this world after their death even more than during their lifetime. Because whatever a tzaddik, whatever a person does in his lifetime, is only amplified a thousandfold after a person passes away. Whatever you did during your, during your lifetime, that's what the soul continues to do, but just on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a grander scale. So if the tzaddik, during his lifetime, he protected and he shielded, that doesn't go away. That, that doesn't, on the contrary, now it's a th- amplified a thousandfold. If he blessed and he helped while he was alive, now his blessing and his helping is, is, is beyond anything we can imagine. So much more, more powerful. His soul is so much more powerful. So whatever he was doing while he was alive and continues to do, but on a whole different level. So the Zohar says that his, his shielding and protection is much more powerful. He says, and if not for the prayers of the righteous ones in the afterlife, we wouldn't have survived. We couldn't survive even for a minute. <laughs> even for a second. So our whole protection comes from them. Our primary protection comes from them. It's their prayers that really uh, support us and protect us. We live off, we're living off their interests. We're living off their, uh, their merit. We're gnashing on their merit. You know, we're just riding on their coattails. Otherwise, we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't survive for a second. You know, we know ourselves and we know what level we're at. And uh, we surely know it's not in our own merit. Whatever blessings we have, it's just the merit of our the righteous ones and our ancestors and their, the lives that they lived and the sacrifices that they made and the holiness and the goodness and the kindness and the choices, the divine choices that they made. They were holy people. They were godly people. You know, we have a tremendous respect for, for the elders, for the, for the, you know, the Talmud says the Rishonim are like angels. They're like angels. We're like people in, compa- in comparison to them. If they're like people, we're like donkeys in comparison. And not even like the donkey of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoyer. Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoyer was one of the Talmudic rabbis, Tanoim. What was so special about the donkey of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoyer? He had a very special donkey. Once a thief stole his donkey. Three days later, the thieves bring back the donkey to Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoyer. Why did they bring him back? He says, because your donkey is refusing to eat. So he's dying, so he might as well bring him back to you. He's of no use to us. So Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoyer said, you know why? Because probably... You don't tithe. So he refuses to eat any, any food that's not tithe. So he's not eating from the straw because you don't tithe. He's a religious donkey. So he's not, he's not eating. So he, so he told his children, please feed this poor donkey. He hasn't eaten in three days. So they came back and they said, he's not eating. They said, oh, because probably, again, you know, you didn't, you, you, you didn't, 
tithe yet, but they said, not getting into all the details, but, uh, but Father, but you, you're of the opinion that in this case, you don't have to tithe, and you're exempt from tithing. So why wouldn't the donkey eat? So he says, yes, that's my opinion. <laughs> but my colleagues, the rabbis, disagree with me. My donkey thinks that the rabbis are correct, so he's not eating. <laughs> the Talmud says, he's not even, not even, we're not even like the donkeys of Rabbi Pinchas ben The Hebrew word for donkey is chamor. It comes from the word chomer. Chomer is material. But a material is a material which shines through, a material that's sensitive to spirituality. Then there's a material that's coarse and crass and doesn't allow us to access our neshama, our soul. So uh, there's an interesting explanation in this Talmud. Rabbi Kivayga said, he interpreted the Talmud, this Talmudic passage as follows. If we look at our ancestors like angels, then we are human beings. We're a mensch. We're mention. We're a mensch. But if we look at our, the, the elderly, the older ones, as just human beings, then we're like donkeys. We don't appreciate what saints they were, what holy people they were, what godly people they were, what energy they had, what intensity they had, what depth they had, what genuineness they had, what char- how much character they had, how real they were. Their souls were sparkling souls. As the Talmud says, comparing the later generations to the old, old, earlier generations, he says, you know, we're much smarter than them. We know more than them. And yet, we pray and nothing happens. <laughs> then, with one prayer, the whole, they stormed heaven and earth and things started changing and moving. So you know why? Because they were ready to sacrifice themselves for Hashem. They were for real. They were holy people. They are giants. They had hearts. They had minds. They had souls. And we're like blind, deaf, and dumb, and numb, and, you know. So... We live off them. That's what the Zohar says. If not for them, not for their prayers, we couldn't have survived for a second. So their effect is in this world, not only spiritually, their inspiration and their guidance and their, their physically, our well-being, the fact that we survive. By the way, there were many, many, many testimonials of Israeli soldiers. Not one, not two, not three, many. In the different wars, that they said they had visions, they saw. They saw on the enemy tank, they had this vision of, of these souls with dressed in talisman, with long beards, with swords, helping them fight and attacking the enemy. And there were many, many such uh, visions and sightings because they're helping us. You think we would have survived for a second? 1948. And all the wars, Muhammad HaShikharur. You know, the joke in Israel then was that there was two reasons why we won the war of independence. One was a natural reason, one was a supernatural reason. The natural reason was because God helped us. The supernatural reason was because we had an army. 
We had a Davidka, we had the two and a half planes. <laughs> you know, 20 soldiers stopped the Egyptian army, and I mean, the whole thing was a joke. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't even, you can't even delude yourself. As Ben Gurion said, a Jew living in the Middle East who doesn't believe in miracles is not a realist. <laughs> but this is the, the merit of our ancestors. All their stored energy and all their mitzvot and all their Torah and their prayer. It's alive. Not alive in heaven. It's alive here and now. This is, what's, this is what keeps us going. We are just coasting. We're just riding on their coattails. So their presence is, their impact and their effect is effective here and now in the physical world. Let alone the spiritual world. And whoever is closer to them, spiritually closer to them in their life, is also first in line to receive that blessing. So he's encouraging the chassidim, trying to console them. Don't feel crushed. Don't feel abandoned. Don't feel hopeless. Don't feel it's all over. The lights are out. It's buried. It's dead. It was nice while it lasted, but it's finished. It's gone. It's history. It was an era. It was in the shtetl. It was a pa- in the past. It's a museum piece. No, no, that's not, Judaism is not a museum piece. We're in the middle. It's alive. Our first Shabbaton that we organized, we first moved to Manhattan. So we had a Shabbaton to Crown Heights. And someone made a very profound observation. You know, they say in Yiddish, a guest of a mile, zet a vile. A guest of a vile, zet a mile. A guest sometimes sees things that the person present doesn't see because from a distance you have a certain perspective. He came to 770. And I don't know if everyone has been to 770. It's, it's very unimpressive. It looks like a, a train station. <laughs> Beams all over the place. I mean, it's not... And he was actually, he just fell in love. He was just very taken by it. And he says, you know what? You know, you know what this reminds me of? You know what the difference between 770 and the temples that I grew up in, the Reformed temples, beautiful, beautiful temples. He says, you know, the difference is, it's like a museum. You go into a museum. It's beautiful. It's rich. Everything is proper. It's quiet. Everything is a proper place. Then you walk into an artist's studio. Oh, an artist's studio. Everything is a mess. There's paint all over the place. Is this. He says to them, Yiddishkeit is a museum. Yiddishkeit is dead. It's a, it's, a, it's a relic. It's a fossil. It's a museum piece. You treat it with reverence. You take it out with reverence, with respect. It's ancient. It's old. It's respectful. It's dead. You walk into the 770... It's an artist studio. Judaism is alive. We're still in the middle. We're, we're in the middle. We're, we're, this project, this project that began with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, we're in the middle. We're, Yiddishkeit is happening today. We're bringing Mashiach. There's a destiny. There's a plan. There's a mission. There's a vision. There's a purpose. We're coming from somewhere. We're going somewhere. It's alive. Yes, it's a mess. It's chaotic, but it's real. 
So this is alive. Our ancestors are alive. Our parents are alive. The righteous ones are alive. Our rabbis are alive. It's not dead and over and done with. Vayichi Yaakov. When does the Torah call Vayichi? After he passes away, Vayichi is alive. You realize he's not dead. He's alive, more alive than ever. And active. Not in heaven, in earth, here and now. Here we are. 3,800 years later, here we are. This is a uniquely Jewish perspective. This is so Jewish. It's so counterintuitive. It's completely different than the way the rest of the world looks at death. Because this is godly, this is divine, this is emes, this is real. This is the Torah, the gift of the Torah. To see things from God's point of view, from the inside out, not seeing things from the outside looking in. It's a whole different reality. We're not living in the same universe. (laughs) We're living in a different universe. And this we get from Torah. Without the Torah, we would never know this. Before the Alter Rebbe wrote this letter, we would never know this. You know, you take things at face value. Death is death. It's a flat tire. It's, 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 a, it's a dead end. It's a short stop. And that's it. And nothing could be further than the truth. So even though emotionally it's very hard to hear it, and it's very hard, it's, 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 not, it's not a consolation because nothing could really fill the void. But the awareness, knowing that this is the reality, whether we appreciate it or not, whether we understand it fully or not, but this is the emiss, this is the way it really is. So at least just knowing that can give us a certain perspective. Instead of being demoralized, we should only strengthen and go deeper and live life even on a whole different level. Any questions, comments? Next week we'll, we'll uh, start the explanation. The explanation on, of this letter, written by the Alter Rebbe himself. Alter Rebbe felt the need to write an explanation because after all, everything is said and done, to console and such a loss, you know, it's hard. Hasidim were inconsolable. A person loses a father, it's inconsolable. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.